1812 is perhaps the least remembered of American wars because it was fought in such a left-handed, slapdash manner on both sides. Charles R. Morris Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and as we enter week number five of self-quarantine here at the Podcasting Lair, I hope all of you are staying well, staying inside, and being safe if you do venture out as we gradually start reopening. In today's episode, we're looking at both some myths and some facts about what may be the most forgotten war in American history, the War of 1812. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, if it's a forgotten war, how can there be any myths about it at all? Now, that's a mystery, I admit, but true nonetheless. For those who have no clue what the War of 1812 was, it was the U.S. versus Great Britain Smackdown Part 2, lasting from June of 1812 to February of 1815, and not really accomplishing much. It was triggered by economic sanctions against the U.S. by both England and France, who were still in the midst of the Napoleonic Wars, as well as American anger at the British policy of impressment, a practice in which Royal Navy officers would board U.S. ships and seize sailors accused of being British deserters. The main outcomes of the war were, in all honesty, psychological. As the new nation gained international respect for defeating the British yet again, as well as giving the country its national anthem. Now let's take a look at both some facts and some myths, so that when and if the myths come up, you can debunk them. Number one, the burning of Washington, D.C. This may be one of the few things, along with the creation of our national anthem and the Battle of New Orleans, that the average person actually does know about the War of 1812, because we can hold a grudge like a few others. Most believe that the dastardly British, still angry that we had the nerve to rebel 30 years earlier, torched the city of Washington, D.C., and in particular the White House, out of pure spite. Now, they did indeed burn the city, with President Madison and his government escaping just in time. But it wasn't a case of spite. In fact, they weren't even the first in the war to burn a major city. We were. Earlier in the conflict, American forces had burned the city of York, which is present-day Toronto, It was the capital of the British colony of Upper Canada at the time. And contrary to another common myth, the British did not burn Washington, D.C. in retaliation for us burning York. British forces had been burning towns throughout the Chesapeake region already, in a total war, scorched earth policy, not unlike Union General Sherman's march to the sea in the Civil War. War is hell, after all. Number two, speaking of Canada, A myth erroneously believed at the time of the war itself was that British colonists in Canada were as eager to throw off the yoke of the crown as the Americans had been in 1776 and would greet the Americans as liberators if they invaded. It's an arrogant mistake Americans have made before, even to the present day, and the result in this case was disastrous. They did capture and burn York, but in the end, the Canadians repelled the American invasion. Number three, 
The war was a big deal in the United States and Canada for obvious reasons. It's actually celebrated today more vigorously in Canada than here because understandably, national pride over repelling the Yankee invaders soared in Canada. But for the British, it was a mere footnote of history. Much like the French and Indian Wars in North America was but a minor part of the Seven Years' War between Britain and France, the War of 1812 was an even smaller conflict in the war between England and Napoleonic France. So it was a big deal to us, but in the end, not a big deal to the British. Number four, the Battle of New Orleans was not only not fought after the formal end of the war, as is commonly believed, it also was not the final battle of the conflict in general. Andrew Jackson's stunning and decisive victory at the Battle of New Orleans, which ended on January 26, 1815, is typically portrayed as happening after the peace treaty between the U.S. and Britain had been signed. Now, while there was an agreement reached by British and American diplomats in Belgium on Christmas Eve 1814, the proposed treaty had to be ratified by both sides to take effect. It wasn't ratified by the United States Senate until February 14, 1815, more than two weeks after Jackson's victory. As for the battle that actually was the final one of the war, that distinction goes to the British assault on Fort Boyer, which guarded the entrance to Mobile Bay. That battle ended on February 11, 1815, with a British victory, but they halted their advance on Mobile itself on hearing news of the peace treaty. Not surprising that as Americans we would want to remember the final battle of the war as an American victory rather than a British one. Number five, our final fact about the War of 1812 involves a little-known nugget about our national anthem. Everyone knows that Francis Scott Key wrote the words to the anthem, he called his verses Defense of Fort McHenry, and that it was quickly set to music and became the Star-Spangled Banner. What few know is that the song's melody comes from an English drinking song called To Anacreon in Heaven. Even more interesting is that historians contend that Key had this very tune in mind when he wrote the lyrics. And you know, in my opinion, it's still not a great song. But in any case, raise a glass to the Star-Spangled Banner, the War of 1812, and the knowledge of history. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're finding this podcast both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll help us create more content and go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again.